the incomparable. Number 199, June 2014. Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is episode 199. Surely not momentous in any possible way. Uh, We're here at the end of the, um, more or less the end, of what has traditionally been considered the TV season, although now there's a bunch of stuff that's on in the summer too. And I thought this would be a good time not only to do what we do every year, which is talk about uh, the Game of Thrones season that just passed, but also talk about other TV series that we've seen over the past uh, nine months and uh, that we want to talk about and maybe even recommend to you. So we're going to start by talking about things with uh, basically no spoilers or as little spoiler as possible. And then when we get to Game of Thrones, the spoiler horn is warming up in the bullpen, ready to come in <laughs> and blow its horn so we can talk about Game of Thrones season four. So joining me to talk TV are a fine collection of couch potatoes. John Syracuse, hello. You're all going to have to remind me which TV shows actually happened this quote-unquote season <laughs> yeah. because my, my concept of time is very shaky. But I have a long list of shows. Just just stop me if it's something that was on last okay. year. We, we're not rigorous fact checkers here, but we'll, we'll, let, we'll help you out if we can. Uh, David Lore is also here. Hello. Hello there. You'll be leaving us when the spoiler horn fires for Game of Thrones as you haven't seen it. Well, I'll hang out because I'm not going to see it. So oh, it's okay. okay. All right. Yeah. You can just you can just uh, go into <laughs> I'll, a trance I'll, and stare at the wall. I'll make amusing comments right. as needed. Good, good, good. That's so like always is what you're saying. <laughs> Erica Ensign also here. Hello. Hello. I my list is fearfully short, but but I'm excited about the things that are on it. Do they have TV in Canada? <laughs> no actually we're going to talk about uh, some tv that was produced in canada so i shouldn't joke but it's canada i can't resist because you're just so nice up there very, yes very, yes we are very nice people and uh making lots of tv shows actually it turns out mm-hmm. and scott mcnulty is also out there he watches television i do and now you're going to talk about it well maybe we'll see we'll Much see I, I should introduce you as uh as host of The Incomparable's very own spinoff podcast, Random Trek, a show about TV shows, Star Trek mm-hmm. TV shows. That's true. And I should mention Erica also, in addition to being on Verity, which is a podcast about Doctor Who, is also on the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, which is a show about Babylon 5. So many TV experts. <laughs> yeah, but the episodes of Babylon 5 this season were Did, not really so good. No, didn't really air well. And Star Trek, likewise, not airing currently. It's true. Not even in Canada. The dark time for the Republic. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so uh, we should start with uh, with uh, things that aren't Game of Thrones. So um, the, the, the show that I wanted to bring up and have us talk about at least a little bit that I um, really loved last year and have been enjoying this year as well is Orphan Black on BBC America. So I want to throw that one out there. Are you guys watching Orphan Black? Speaking of, speaking of Canada. <laughs> yes. And this is it. This is the show shot in Toronto, I, I believe. Not Vancouver, as so many shows are. Mm-hmm. Nice yeah, so curveball. That's one of the few shows that I actually have been watching. And I got a little behind, but marathon like five episodes in the last two days to catch up. So I was ready to talk about it. And I love it. And you're right. It is Canadian. There was there was one scene where a character is is trying to be all sneaky. And he says, I, I was just looking for the washroom. And mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's a tell. Canadian. It's a give Canadian. There, I believe there's actually a, a scene where somebody is being shot at and, and shouts, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I was like, come on, Canada. <laughs> they say washroom in, in the uh, northern United States, too. Hmm. Wisconsin, Illinois. No, they do not. No, it's Canada. Yes, they do. No, they really don't. 
My mother-in-law says it. She lives uh, near the Wisconsin border. John, your mother-in-law's a Canadian spy? Yeah, she could be. (laughs) That's how they take us down. That's how they take America down. I mean, I've never seen that on a sign, whereas in Canada, all the signs, there's no restroom or bathroom signs. It's washroom. washroom. So you you watched five episodes in in quick succession. So do you think you're a clone now? Ah, (laughs) see, that's a Tiffany (laughs) reference. Anyway. Oh, dear. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm actually convinced that, oh gosh, how do you say your name? Tatiana Maslani? Maslani. Anyway, I am convinced that they've actually pulled the the wool over our eyes backwards. And she's triplets. She is actually probably (laughs) at least quintuplets. And yeah, uh, because every single time I'm watching that show, I have to remind myself at the end of it that that was the same actor playing all of those different parts, which are so completely different it it blows my mind. It's, it's like Eddie Murphy in the barbershop and coming to America. <laughs> exactly. This I, is exactly. I, I find myself pausing and turning to my wife and saying, "That's one actress," because I can't <laughs> believe it. I, I I will be so enthralled that I I will be watching it and then and then I I suddenly realize. Um, you know, no, I'm actually, this is a special effect and it looks nothing like a special effect. These characters seem fully realized. I feel like they should have her name in the credits five times. Mm-hmm. There are moments when one of the characters is kind of light in an episode and I'll think to myself, oh, they must have given her the week off. <laughs> no, it's the same actress. It's unbelievable. Some, some of the characters are better realized than others, though. I think she yeah. does some characters better than she does other ones. Not that I'm saying that it starts to look like the same person, but, uh, I don't know. Who are your favorites? Who do you, who are the characters that you think she really inhabits versus the one that she just kind of gets through? I think Allison is the best of all the clones, yeah. actually. Yeah. I, yeah, I think she's up there. I was going to say Helena because when oh my god, Hel- Helena is the one that disassociates me the farthest from the actress. And the th- the great thing about it is that we, I bet we all are thinking. The actress is Sarah, but we don't know. I've never seen an interview with the actress. I have no idea which one of these is most like the actual actress. We just all assume it's Sarah because she's the... It's not. It's not. She's Canadian, so um, she doesn't have an English accent. She sounds more... I I suppose she sounds... well, who who does she sound More like? Allison, like? maybe she sounds maybe except the most less perky, maybe. The, yeah, like <laughs> Allison, except less perky. But she definitely has a uh, has a North American accent, not a not a not a British accent. She the, the British accent is because it's on BBC America. I really believe that's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the opposite of watching The Wire, where you you're shocked to learn how many people have British accents. Now I'm shocked to learn these people don't have British accents. <laughs> yeah, it's the other way around. One thing I actually noticed about about Orphan Black. For the first time when we were recording the last episode of The Incomparable about uh, Geek Girls, was it just occurred to me how woman-centric this show is. And as I right. watched the five episodes that I watched between then and now, <laughs> I recognize that it's not just the fact that, that the main character is seven main characters all played by the same woman. But if you look at the other characters in the show who have the most sort of power and agency and competence, almost all of them are either women or gay or or black or something you know it's it's a show that's pretty pretty low on white dudes and i just i hadn't even noticed that before because it's just such a great show it just pulled me in they added a himbo this season though (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's well they have that's two Right. <laughs> he's, right, he's a himbo on two shows. He's a himbo on a Game of Thrones. On Game of Thrones, Thrones too. Yeah. yeah, it's the same same role. Basically, yeah, she's got we've, we've got Sarah's baby daddy and also Beth's old mm-hmm. boyfriend. Those are both sort of like Captain Handsome types that are in there. But you're right; they're they're like adjuncts. They're not that you know other mm-hmm. like Matt Matt Frewer. I guess 
it was in some ways the you know the most uh you know powerful male right. figure on the show and there, there there's some others but it does seem like when they when they add one they they subtract a different one yeah. without being too spoilery about it it's, yeah <laughs> yeah there's some there's some uh uh I, I see the budget. That actually is a complaint I have is like when they add a character and subtract a character, it's literally like, okay, you tag in, you tag out. We can't pay you both. Uh, yeah. I'm okay with that because I, I don't want them to dilute the amount of screen time yeah. each one gets anymore. So I'm I'm happy with a few more people dying off before I, the end of the season. I was really worried about um, – I read an interview with the producers of Orphan Black before the season started where they said that they were trying to get, trying to give Tatiana Maslany more of a break because she's literally when you think about it she's literally in every scene and they were trying to do some scenes without one of the clones in them just so that they would have a break for her and i was worried that that was going to lead to kind of interminable um plots with characters that that are uninteresting and you don't really notice it they did a really good job it still feels like she is she is in most of the show and i think what it's really done is given us some more time with felix her her That's brother true. and uh, which is Jordan Gavaris is the actor who played also Canadian doing an English accent I believe, um, but he, that's such a great character. Um, oh, he is and, great. And in addition to his relationship with all the other clones, it's not just his relationship with his sister, but he has really become like a match for all these other clones <laughs> uh, in hilarious different ways. He also has had some other stuff to do, and I think that's you know so I'm happy for some more Felix even at the cost of some of the clones. Me too. Although the funny thing is, is when you said that, I started trying to think of of some of the scenes that that didn't have a clone in them, and found myself going, "Oh no, wait, that's a clone." Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. no, wait, that's yeah. her again. Oops. Yeah. Well, there's the scenes with Kasima. No. Well, there's all the cult scenes with like just the cult people, right? Or the the, the cult that's person true. daughter. That all their sort of arguments. And yeah, no, I was just about to think, and what about the ones in the dyad? No, that's her too in the way. Yeah, I know. See, that's the thing. I so. Um, I'm curious what you guys think of this season compared to last season. I, I, this last season took me by surprise. Um, obviously, this performance is fantastic. Um, this season, I felt like I was really happy. I, I didn't think um, going into it that they were going to be able to pull it off again. I was really kind of skeptical about it and and wasn't giving it much. I was like, this is going to be a disappointment. This, you know, last year, I, I don't think they can they can keep it up. And I'm pleasantly surprised by the fact that scene by scene, I found this season really enjoyable. That said, I think some of the stuff with the cult people left me kind of cold and some of the I felt sometimes that the plot was kind of doing a runaround where they were they were kind of didn't have yeah, enough story were, for 10 episodes. Treading water. So there's like go over here like Sarah keeps on like go to go go to the, the RV with your baby daddy and then go back over here to the dyad and then go over here to Mrs. S and she's just like bouncing around and I felt like it was kind of like just um, they did that. They didn't literally have enough story, so they just kept having people run around and bounce off of each other. But the individual scenes, I have no complaints about. That's the thing is, in the big picture, I'd be like, oh, "What really happened?" But in the little picture, I would always find in every episode a half dozen scenes of different like cast members or clones interacting with each other that that I loved. I just the plot kind of left me cold this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, they're losing the thread. Because, like, in the first season, it was so easy to do a first season because you're like, what's the deal with these clones? Like, that's the thread that pulls you along, right? And then you have a crisis cliffhanger at the end of it. And the second season, I guess we're still trying to find out what the deal with the clone is. The clones is sort of. But, like, what is... I mean, eventually they found it. Eventually at the end, like, oh, you know, there's this thing and they want Kira and blah, blah, blah. Like, eventually they found something, but there was a lot of just kind of, like you said, running around in circles in the middle part. And you start... Once you start to ask yourself... 
what's these people's motivations? What, is, what does this group want? What is that? You just have you have to know what that is. Otherwise, the story doesn't work. And yeah, the character scenes were great. And on the small level, you know, what this person wants right now is to figure out what the heck to do about this other person that is causing a problem for them. But that is that's small stakes. And the big stakes, very often in an episode, it would be over and I would be like, what are they all trying to do again? And you're like, I don't remember. But in some ways, you're like, eh, I don't yeah. care that much. But it it makes it less, you know, the first season definitely had a, a tractor pulling you along because you wanted to know what the deal was with the clones, basically. Yeah, also, the the we, we sort of find who we think is at least one of the key people in creating the clones. And he's sitting right there, and I get the feeling like somebody should ask him, tell us the whole story of why this happened and where does this DNA come from and all that. Mm. Instead, it's like, we need your five and a quarter inch floppy disks from your Apple II <laughs> yeah, computer. We're threatening to kill you too. <laughs> like, don't do that. Ask him first before you kill him. And and that there's probably, he has all these answers that they that the producers just quite frankly don't know or don't want to deal with. So they've, yeah. let, they've, they, they've got somebody who's incredibly knowledgeable about the history and they sort of don't want him, to, you know, they don't want to break the spell because... Um, and then that was frustrating in, a, in a, just in a minor way. It's like, what, what's the mystery here? And I like the complexity of the fact that there are like three sort of subgroups fighting over information about these clones. There's the, you know, the crazy doomsday cult and there's like different parts of the dyad Institute. But on another level, it's sort of like, you know, I don't, uh, you just, it's so easy to lose track and be like, who are these people? And then they're like double crossing each other. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm even watching here. Yeah, they don't need to do that because they can always add another clone. Like they have the out on this show is that like you don't need to make this complex five party kind of, you know, battle of five armies situation <laughs> going on. You don't you you can make it a simple good versus evil battle because anytime you need to mix it up, just parachute in another clone. We all love it. And it adds, you know, a new angle to the thing of parachute in a group of clones. Like you always have that out on this show. So it seems unnecessary for them to take the existing characters and split them up into multiple teams. I think the part that I felt was the most runaround was the rehab part. Like that just didn't really do anything for me as far as a. And yet the final payoff with uh, with Sarah having to pretend and they're dragging Vic's drugged up body <laughs> through glitter was yeah, see, hilarious, part, right? Nah, but nah, <laughs> that was that was too much. Re- that, I really when enjoyed it, that when it, when it gets really kind of slapsticky. That those are the, the episodes that I sort of jump off for a little bit, which usually do have to do with Allison and Allison pretending to be somebody else or somebody else pretending to be her. Did you not like the episode last year where they had the party at Allison's house and she was t- torturing her husband? That was my least favorite oh. by quite a bit. Oh, that's a shame. Oh. I, I, that, that was my favorite. I have to admit, I'm not year. really a Don. I'm not really a Donnie fan either. He, oh, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, I am. Now. I'm liking Donnie more and more. No, he's 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 turning into something at least a little bit more interesting. I like the fact that he was a monitor, but was being lied to. Like they kept walking that line, and it's an interesting resolution to say, was he a spy or was he a dummy? He was both, and that's yes. that's fun. <laughs> Why but can't now, it be but both? Now, <laughs> now he's coming out the other side of it, and I don't know if Don, I can buy Donnie as a you know a tough guy. I don't. I don't want to spoil the end of. That I, I don't. Anyway. I don't think Donnie. I don't think. I think Donnie is who he is, and any pretensions he has to be something else will always be reeled back. But you know, it is a fascinating. It is a fascinating thing. I, I what a strange show. You know, but I did I did I get a touch of the X-Files from it where it's like, let's just throw in some conspiracies and double crossing and moles and things. It's like, no, 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 I don't I don't want that. That's not why I'm watching this show. I am fascinated by the idea of where these uh, you know, how these women differ and where they come from and why Beth, uh, not Beth, why Sarah is able to have a child. And um, I keep waiting for a scene where they find an old picture and she's in it. 
and it's the whoever the original mm. that they use yeah. is the model. Uh, save that for season four. Season, yeah, I know exactly. It's <laughs> getting ahead of my. Well, that's why they, I think they had the guy not tell say anything interesting is because then he'd give away plot twists later, which like let's <laughs> <laughs> not get ahead of ourselves. Remain silent, sir. We don't want to know. And you kind of hope they're they're listening now and they go, hey, that's a good idea for season. Oh four. yeah, I imagine that. I mean, the 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 nice thing and something that we're. we're, we're recording this before the season finale so you know presumably there'll be some interesting things that happen in in episode 10 but one of the things that i really like about this show is that you can um kill off characters if they're played by tatiana maslany you can kill off characters with no worry because you're not getting rid of the actress you can introduce characters um but you can also kill them off and so there's some jeopardy like sarah doesn't have to survive you know that, that's interesting i mean i doubt they would kill her because she really is sort of the main character but they could because mm-hmm. you know it wouldn't it's about all the clones and that's interesting um that 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 gives them a level of uh of uh unexpected possibilities that um that most shows don't have yeah i was kind of hoping Casima. i don't i don't uh you know we don't know how this ends but if Casima were to die uh that i think you they could do that in a way that adds emotional heft to the show rather than just like, I mean, they kind of killed Helena, but not really. And I'm kind of glad she came back because I like her. I think she's interesting. Uh, but if Kasima dies, like if they really want to make a rift in the clones, having Kasima die or having that go, like it seems like it's headed towards a, a reasonable resolution. But uh, that was one way the season could have gone. And for all we know, we'll still go. That would add a harder edge to it. But uh Considering people are being drugged and falling into glitter, uh, maybe that's not the way the season is going to go. <laughs> I know. I think they like. I think they like to to vacillate between all the extremes and explore all the different possibilities. That's it, one of the kind of crazy things about the show that I like. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I think killing one of these characters. I mean, what, what makes me reluctant to mention this is that we thought that they had killed off one of the clones at the end of last season, and they didn't. They brought her back. <laughs> Can't kill Helena, man. Her walking away from that farm is one of the, my favorite scenes in the whole series. Don't don't invite <laughs> Helena to your farm. Just a I, tip. The scene with her in the bar is just fantastic i love that scene it's so bizarre and and <laughs> then she beats up a biker gang and it's great my sister um just great just great stuff anything more about orphan black it's a fun show people should watch it bbc america first season streaming uh second street season will eventually stream somewhere who knows when because they were really slow about it the first time and quite simply the you know, maybe the best performance going on on TV right now, mm-hmm. if you add all of the performances together. Or certainly, if not the best, certainly the most interesting, because just watching her, watching her do what she does, even if you can poke holes in like, oh, she doesn't do that accent that well or whatever, just at, taken as a sum total of like all that she's doing, you, you have to forgive any any accent foibles or mannerism things or anything like that, because it, it really, uh, as a whole, it, it's fascinating and amazing and just it keeps you riveted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even even when the plot doesn't quite hold together, you still you're just like, how does she do that? And you yeah yeah, because like the I've I've had the same feeling this season, but it's just spectacular to watch that tightrope of going back and forth. And, yeah yeah. Well, that, and that's oh. that's the thing that gets me about the show is that you can either enjoy the when the plot is lagging, you can enjoy the performances, or you can enjoy some of the individual character interactions and. There's yeah. always something worth watching in this show, which is oh. that's pretty good. Also, thumbs up on not trying to do any more 
sort of uh, split screen, let's make two of the same actress interact with each other because they don't have the budget to do that well. And they tried to do it in season one a couple times to show off. And it's like, just no, we get it. Just don't bother. Just leave them. Don't have them touch each other. Don't have them hand <laughs> things to each other. And when you have them hug and we only see the back of someone's head, we know it's like just yeah. just don't. But they do when they do it, they do it really well. There was a the, there's a scene in the last episode of season one where it's a tracking shot and uh, and there are two two of the same actress in it or three of the same actress in it. But it's a tracking shot. It's like they don't. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're showing off. But I like, I, yeah, whenever they do that, I, I start to see the seams oh, a little bit. And it's like I, I, it pulls me out of it because like I know what you're doing. and I know you're proud of yourself. <laughs> so this season they only did like one scene. Right. Or someone handed something to someone. We'll move on to another show in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about the sponsor for this episode of The Incomparable. It is lynda.com. L-Y-N-D-A dot com. You've heard about them before. They have more than 2,000 high-quality, engaging video courses taught by industry experts. You can learn a whole lot about kind of Anything you need to learn that's technical from experts in super high quality, professionally produced videos on lynda.com. Lynda can help anyone learn creative software and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever you want. They've got a wide breadth of courses at different levels. So there are beginner courses, there are intermediate and advanced courses. So it's easy to learn. Whether you are coming in on the ground floor or you are somebody who already knows a lot and just needs to get a little bit of a tune-up, lynda.com makes it a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want. It works on your computer, it works on your tablet or your phone. Every course is structured so you can jump around. Whether you want to learn from start to finish or hop around, find the answer to a question, and then get back to work, you have access to searchable transcripts so you can quickly find information and closed caption transcripts so you can follow along with the video. These are not videos made in somebody's basement like you, what you'll find on YouTube. These are in a professional video studio. And like I said, they're with the experts. These are not random people. These are the people who are the best at what they do. And they're telling you how they do it. Now, lynda.com has one low monthly price to give access to these 2,000 high quality, more than 2,000. They're more being added every day. High quality video courses. The low monthly price is $25. That provides unlimited access. You get the whole course library. Now, I've used lynda.com. I learned stuff about using Logic Pro. I learned stuff about using on an audio editor on an iPad so I can edit podcasts when I'm on the go. I learned some stuff about dynamic HTML and CSS and responsive design. While I was building my uh, new theincomparable.com, I set some breakpoints, and now it looks different on iPads and phones than it does on desktops. All really cool, and there's a responsive design course at lynda.com. That's how I was able to get that done. So here's a cool thing. lynda.com is giving you, listeners of The Incomparable, a special offer to access the entire library free for seven days. Not a little taster where you get a few things. Everything in the library... I'd say cancel your classes. I'd say uh, take call in sick from work and spend seven days learning, inhaling into your brain as much as humanly possible. And here's how you do it. You go to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash incomparable to try lynda.com free for seven days. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash incomparable. And thank you so much to lynda.com for teaching me lots of things with video courses and for sponsoring The Incomparable. All right, should we move on and talk about some other stuff? Sure. Sure. 
okay what what bring bring him bring him out what do you, what would you guys like to talk about well uh you know i criticized it in the fall and i've made fun of it all year long until recently um what does everyone think uh happened by the end of this of the season with agents, agents of, shield. of shield yeah that's still on it is. It, it is. I just take, take it. off my headphones. I stopped watching at the point when the Captain America movie takes over, and I've seen the Captain America movie, but I'm patiently waiting for well, my wife to uh, see it to move on. Again, we're gonna we're gonna try to be as light as possible with the spoilers yes. here. I this is what I would say because we did it. We our fall um, TV episode, we pretty much tore it a new hole. <laughs> um, and I would say, I'd be interested for your your perspectives on this. I feel like about ten episodes in. They started to write the ship. There was actually an episode where I felt like I knew who the characters were and that I actually was rooting for them. And mm-hmm. then from there, I felt like they they continued to show improvement to the point where in the, the last two or three weeks, I was, you know, really excited to watch it like the day it was on from from the point where I had let like four or five episodes pile up and was watching them. Um, when, you know, when my wife was out or something and I was just like, well, I'll watch shield. She doesn't want to see it. And then that was when it started it, it, it you know, mid season, it started to turn around and, and I don't know quite what they did other than that the characters started to feel more differentiated and, and, um, you know, I, you could say it was part of a plan. It didn't feel like a plan to me. It felt like they no, took 10 episodes to actually figure out what the heck the show was going to be. And then maybe because they had something that they were working toward, which is the Captain America plot twist thing. But suddenly it was a totally different. I mean, it's not like the best show on TV by any stretch, but actually an enjoyable show, which it wasn't the first nine episodes or whatever. You mentioned the X-Files before, like, and how they kept introducing plot elements to pull things along. And in this case, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. benefited from a little bit of the sprinkling of the X-Files dust in that what they introduced was... Uh, fewer standalone episodes where I guess they were trying to establish the characters and failing like early on and a couple of arc things, you know, like uh, the the mysterious origin of our favorite character and the arc things that led into Captain America and arc things can be tiresome and they certainly were in X-Files, but I think the show needed a little bit of it to pull it forward. Otherwise, like in the beginning, I felt like I was watching a bunch of these good looking people who I don't care about run around and have silly adventures that are very silly there needs to be and like Doctor Who, there needs to be something, some kind of arc for the season, some kind of underlying story to carry you through the other episodes and to be like the underlying tension. And that thus far, having led up right up to the Captain America movie, which like I said, I've seen that is what's keeping me watching the show. Uh, not so much the characters, because I think I'm not interested in the characters if I don't think they have something to do or some goal to work towards. See, I feel like right. Sky was the worst character on the show for the first 10 episodes. And in in like episode 10 or 11, somewhere in there suddenly um i found myself actually liking her and it was actually the episode where they 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 she gets shot and may die and i was like wait a second i finally like her and you kill her but that was like finally they did something with her to make her interesting and it, it don't worry if you put someone time. in a hyperbaric chamber that takes it's care true. of gunshot wounds instantly <laughs> well you inject them with magical you know stuff too <laughs> that then, that i found more believable than quick get her into the chamber yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it it's almost as if there's there's that moment where they they had worked ahead of time and had you know several scripts ready to shoot, and then they came in and said, "Oh, we you guys need to see Captain America and what we're going to do." And it's almost as if that flipped a switch. Not that they were even working towards that twist, but just to say, "Okay, we're not just this weird little show. We are part of a larger universe of things going on, and we do actually have to have some connection to it." 
We we can't just be, oh, yeah, remember you just missed the Hulk. He was just here. <laughs> you know, it, it, there has to be something that ties it into the larger universe. And, you know, so going back and watching, because, I mean, I gave up before 10 episodes. I, I gave it more episodes than I usually give a new show that d- disappoints me. And uh, once it started getting interesting, and, and, I mean, Jason, you're one of the ones who said, you should watch this again. I mean, all right. Um, then I went back and sort of I was curious to see that progression and go, all right, how did they do that? Because, yeah, it's still not the greatest show on television by any stretch. But the last five or six episodes, it, it was the same thing. It's it's a show I actually wanted to watch the day it was on. And I didn't want to get spoiled. I didn't want to find out what happened before I watched it. And... I really enjoyed the last two episodes and no spoilers, but just the resolution for the big bad of the last story arc is the Joss Whedonist thing. Joss Whedon's productions have done in years. It just put the biggest smile on my face. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like they suddenly went to the, the Joss Whedon playbook for TV at the end of the season, which makes you wonder like why, and I've heard people who are fans of, of of Marvel stuff say, "Oh well, they you know they wanted to set this up, and then and then you know you would Coulson's really boring at the beginning because they want to resolve his story arc." And it's like, well, no, he's just really boring. That's a terrible. <laughs> that's like malpractice to say, "Let's start out and be really bad, so that then we can surprise people by being better later." No, you don't do that. You you come out strong, and they didn't. It always reminded me of the Looney Tunes thing where where Bugs is watching Daffy do something. And he says, when will that silly duck ever remember he can fly? And Daffy falls. He goes, not this time. Okay. <laughs> and it was it was almost as if, you know, when will they remember that there were Whedons producing this? Come yeah. on. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, look at that. But I feel like it got better and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and they're also yeah. doing the, that uh, they're going to do the uh, an Agent Carter show, um, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. So. I, you know, I, I, they got me back, but, um, it was a, it was a close thing because it really was the first half of the season was really, really bad. <laughs> really, it was really bad. Yeah. Don't watch it. Just no. don't start with episode nine or 10 or something. I might. Like Erica, do you have something? Uh, the only other show that I have kept up on since, you know, I moved from one country to the other, which takes up a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing I sort of managed to, to keep over that whole time was, uh, see, season five of The Good Wife, which I stumbled upon when I was here in Canada last summer, like the beginning of the, the long season. Um, and it was on demand. So I watched a few episodes in a row and I liked it. And then when I went back to the States, I kind of lost track of it because we didn't have cable or a PBR or anything. So I forgot about it until people on Twitter started going crazy with my, the people I follow are very nice. They don't actually spoil things, but they do that thing where, where they freak out about stuff without spoiling it. So, you know, something happened. And I know a few people who watch The Good Wife pretty regularly and they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. And I was like, oh, I, I wonder what they did. And a few weeks later, I came back up to Canada. Turns out enough of the episodes were still on demand that I could pick up from where I left off and catch up and find out what the holy crap moment was. And um, it was it, it lived up to the, the crazy Twitter hype. It was, it was pretty intense. 
I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, I was very glad that I jumped back on because I've always been a sucker for legal courtroom dramas. I mean, way back to like L.A. Law, <laughs> I was a sucker for that. So there's a little more, I think, external. Po- there's a lot of politics stuff in here, which I'm not digging quite as much but i really really enjoyed this season and i had never watched any of this show before so this is the first time that i jumped on was the beginning of season five and i i don't feel any interest in particularly going back and and watching where it came from i'm happy with where i jumped in and i will just kind of continue forward from here until if they they forecasted that perhaps next season might be a little bit more on the uh, politics side than the courtroom side. And if it goes too far in that direction, I may end up dropping off. But for now, I am highly impressed at the, the quality of the writing and the quality of the performances that they're getting for a show that has 20 some episodes per season, as opposed to, you know, your Orphan Blacks or your Games of Thrones. Good. Nice. Well pluralized. <laughs> orphans, you. orphans, black. <laughs> yep. Games. Well, of I was, I, I was going to bring up uh, the Good Wife as well, which I bring up. I brought up last time we did the fall season yes. uh, podcast, and uh, <laughs> nobody watched nobody. it. But <laughs> I am very happy, Erica. I get my wife in here. She watches it. I'm in the room when it's on. Sometimes does that count? <laughs> <laughs> you should pay attention, John. It's a fantastic show. It's a Juliana Margulies show, right? Yeah, it yeah, is. It is, and I don't even like her, but she's really good. <laughs> It lives up to the I'm in the room hype. <laughs> That's how I started watching it, because I was in the room when my wife was watching it, and I could that's, not. That's their marketing plan. Apparently, that's how they lure at least men, I guess, uh, into it. Um, but it's really good. Finely acted, well-written, right? and a shocking yeah. surprise at the end of this season that Erica mm-hmm. has not ruined, so I will not either. Also, excellent use of music. Uh, at the beginning of every episode, there's a, a montage of some sort that, that kind of you know sets you up for what's going to happen in the, the episode. And this is another show that has you know an arc or multiple arcs that sort of span multiple episodes or a whole season. Uh, but then you also get the, the, the one-off plot that happens in that episode. And, and that gets set up at the beginning with a, a montage to music, which is always just unbelievable. It's a, it's a cold open. And by the time you get to the credits the opening credits you're just really really excited to watch the rest of the episode usually takes them like 20 minutes to get to the opening credits but yeah that's my kind of cold open (laughs) and michael j fox is on it so what more do you need to know yeah his sitcom got canceled so he he shunted over to the good wife yeah he traded up in a big way that was not a good no that was not a good show what other what other shows good wife is a good one scott do you have something uh that you uh want to recommend uh i've watched veep on hbo Quite entertaining. Oh yeah, with um, Julia Louis Dreyfus. There you go. I couldn't remember her name. The lady from Seinfeld, as I like uh-huh. to call her, <laughs> lady, vice president, lady from Seinfeld. Yes, that's right. That's a great uh, show, and, and that that's a follow-on from The Thick of It, which was the British right. show. Same writer, uh, basically the same creative team, and that was the oh. show starring Peter Capaldi, who was the new Doctor Who, and mm-hmm. uh, that is on Hulu and is hilarious. We've been oh, watching those. That is a, mm-hmm. a fantastic filthy language wise anyway <laughs> uh, political series and veep is essentially the continuation of that except set in america instead of in in uh, britain that's a good one it is good and tony hale is very funny on it oh yeah 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 the whole kiss. anna klumsky from uh, my girl all grown up <laughs> is on that show you remember my girl the mm-hmm. yeah she's uh she says bad words on veep <laughs> <laughs> she says a lot of bad it's words. It's a little strange. Me. It's a little peculiar. 
you know, I, I actually, speaking of those HBO comedies, I, I find, I want to mention Silicon Valley only because I find it funny and yet morally reprehensible at the same time. <laughs> I, I find it less funny than you do, but agree on the other part. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. I, I gave it an episode and a half and that was all I could take. It's, Just you know, do it for me. The jokes, I, I like Mike Judge's sense of humor. I think there are funny jokes um, and I think that it does a good job of satirizing some things about the technology industry. That said, there are vast swaths of untouched things to satirize. And I think it says something about the show that it doesn't try. Um, and the, you well, know, I don't think he knows those things. Like, it's, yeah. it's like a, such a caricature of what you would imagine Silicon Valley is like, but clearly not written by anybody who actually knows what it's like. Because like you said, yeah. there are so many things ripe for parody and satire, but he's not hitting those. He's hitting like, I mean, maybe that will make the show successful. It's like for people who don't know what the technology world is like, this is what they imagine it might be like. <laughs> right, and then exactly. we can satirize the thing that they imagine. But that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, and 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 the the treatment of fe- I would say the treatment of female characters in the show. But honestly, what there aren't any. There, yeah, there's there was an assistant, and then um, mm-hmm. later there was a, a stripper, and then oh, like eight, like seven episodes later there was uh, one of the characters' girlfriend from from Canada, actually I believe. Um, oh, boy. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, we got a girlfriend, a stripper, and an assistant, and. You know, honestly, if there was ever anything ripe for satire, the way the women are treated in the technology industry would be right there. And there are women on the writing staff of Silicon Valley, which is the thing that really baffles me. And they have this throw one of the characters in the house that works for this company is this throwaway character who has almost no lines. And um, why that couldn't have been a woman and they couldn't have actually spent the time satirizing how these because the characters are behaving as one might expect Silicon Valley type characters to behave. And if you put a woman in the house with them, they would do lots of terrible things that could be ripe for good satire. But it's just not there. They, there are no women mm-hmm. in the show. And it's yeah, it's just it's too bad because it, it's it's funny, but I, I have to roll my eyes and shake my head as i watch it because it is a miss it's funny but it's a real real miss opportunity to be funnier and more relevant so it's yeah too bad. i think my problem with it was just the the fact that for me whatever show i'm watching there has to be at least one character that i can root for and get behind and i didn't like anybody so that just it fell flat for me yeah and they're thinly drawn like even the male characters are not fleshed out no, like it, no, i think no. i think of like the characters on king of the hill had more depth than <laughs> than uh i mean to go to go back mm-hmm. to mike judgewell like or even beavis, beavis and, and butthead, butthead yeah. like mm-hmm. i was able yeah. to identify with more whereas these the male characters are just like uh joke line delivery machines mm-hmm. with tiny little drippings of enough plot to get you through the episode and enough emotion to like or they're like one note type. i mean i, I watched maybe like four or five episodes so maybe it, it picks up after a while but it just no it's just not working it's of a kind it's, the whole it's way through kind of like entourage 2.0 yeah, nerd entourage yeah um yeah <laughs> anyway it, it yeah i i i have found humor in the episodes that i've seen and yet i think in the end it's a huge missed opportunity and yeah so i just wanted to mention that I don't recommend it. It's not on my recommended. Well, I do. I do have one recommended one. Yes, that please. Is not is not one that I made fun of before. Um, one thing that's just sort of blown my mind that, that anybody got away with making it is Fargo, which finished up just as we started recording tonight. Ten episodes of just I don't know. It's it's sort of this tightrope between paying homage to the Coen Brothers film 
and then and throwing little Coen Brothers references throughout to other films, but somehow creating well-rounded, interesting characters separate from that. And you don't really think about the movie. And you get to watch Martin Freeman being evil, which is wonderful. Um, and, and Billy Bob Thornton being Billy Bob Thornton. And, um, but they're just, it's, I mean, it's beautifully written, beautifully shot. Uh, there's uh, several shootouts that are just tremendously filmed, just beautifully staged. Uh, one of which, one of them, I, I'm, I'm sure part of it was just to save money. But the camera stays outside this building the entire time and tracks along as Billy Bob Thornton is inside shooting people right and left. And, and so you'll see like the flash of, of, of a gun going off in a window and you'll hear the voices and everything. But you don't see anything until someone finally flies out a window near the end of the sequence. It's amazing. It's beautifully done. And I, I'm convinced that was purely a budget thing. You know, they, they thought, hey, this would be a really cool way to shoot a, a a massacre in a building. Um, I'm really making it sound fun, aren't I? Um, but no. it's no, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the nice thing about it, unlike a lot of the anti-hero shows, you know, breaking bad and all this, um, there's a real counterbalance of good, smart people fighting the smart, bad people and, and just sort of a, a baseline decency to the world and so you, you you really get to see the anti-heroes pervert that instead of you know going hey go walter white yay um which i think is really interesting compared to a lot of the um breaking bad and the shield and you know all these things where you're rooting for the bad guy in this one there there are actually good smart people to root for hmm. so it's just it's it's well worth taking a look at but I, I will I will say it is a little bit more graphic than it needs to be sometimes. They could do a lot more with off screen. What would you say for somebody who really did not like that movie? Ah! <laughs> is it still worth checking out? It's perfect for you. Well, if you yeah. like Martin Freeman. Um, I do. What if you like Martin Freeman a lot, but you really don't like Billy Bob Thornton? Don't oh. do it. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, that's so, fair. I'm, I haven't seen it, but... Um, Mr. Philip Michaels, who by all accounts would like a show like this. I know he watched the pilot and his review of it on Twitter largely consisted of the word hated, like as many times as could fit in a tweet across several tweets. And that scared me off. I think we've got them all sitting on the DVR and I'm I'm just a little concerned because uh, that's a, that was some real anger that he brought to bear on the Fargo pilot. It's really the fourth episode where it, it's suddenly because you, you get to the point you go, where are they going? Is is this a thing? Is this a thing? And then episode four, it just sort of flip again, flips a switch and elevates it into its own thing. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm I, I see what he means, and and yeah, it is a, in spots too much. It's sort of like they they could have done a lot more with off stage things. You know, we don't need to see graphic violence you know and and so that's why like that the one shootout sequence is really amazing because you still get all the violence but you don't get to see it you you imagine it and it's going to be much worse than anything they could show you um which is nice so yeah it's i i would say give it a try if you don't like it by the end of the fourth one walk away and if you don't like billy bob thornton just run run (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll do. Don't even walk up. No, because he's coming for you. You better run. Did we already talk about The Walking Dead on a previous show? No, not. We haven't talked about that in a while, but I am a, a full season behind. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'll give you the, the the tiny capsule summary without spoiling the, the most recent season. I, I liked it. I thought it was a refreshing change of pace in terms of structuring the episodes. Uh, even though the arc for the season could also be argued that nothing really happens, they don't go anywhere. Just s- such a nice change instead of, you know, or you've seen the prison season, yeah. right, Jason? Right. Yeah. So that that whole run was kind of like started to feel a little claustrophobic in terms of the st- structure and the storytelling and how they did each episode. And it was just nice to break out of that. Uh, so I think I think you really enjoy this season, even though it ends on, I mean, they always end on a cliffhanger or whatever. Sure. But anyway. It, you know, they things come to a head and then the season ends because that's that's the formula, which is fine. Uh, I thought that was a little bit silly, but uh, I, I enjoyed the trip of the season. It felt like it felt like kind of a vacation for, you know, for a show about zombies constantly killing people. And did we talk about True Detective? No, I was going to say I, I, I should mention True Detective, which probably could could withstand a series of podcasts all on their own, not just not even <laughs> just one episode of all on its own to just to mention in. I'm interested in, you know, what you thought of it and anybody who watched it. I watched it all like two months after it aired. And <laughs> so I didn't have any of the water cooler conversation. I didn't have any of the build up to the final episode. We watched it sort of every night or every other night over the course of a couple of weeks. And I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, but I didn't, uh, my understanding is that the last episode, everybody kind of built up and had theories about what it was going to be and all that stuff. And then a lot of people were disappointed. I got to say outside of the the bubble of everybody having, putting all their expectations in a basket and just watching it as something that, you know, in a, in a vacuum, it was just enjoyable and, and riveting. I couldn't take my eyes off of it for the entire run. Those are some good actors, huh? There's a pretty, there's if, if, a pretty you do, if you do make them only do a one season commitment, you can get some good actors. You, you and know, like, John, oh, yeah. I got to say, if you had told me like eight years ago that there's going to be a really serious HBO drama and it's going to start Woody Harrelson <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey, I'd be like, well, well, that's a flop. Is it about like well, a retired baseball player who's going to give it one more try or something like that? I mean, well, they didn't ask Matthew McConaughey to do much other than be Matthew McConaughey, but he's a really good Matthew McConaughey, like when he does that thing right. and he's all, you know, know. so like... I, I thought the, I mean, that that's the thing with the people with the theories and the arc and like, we're, like everyone knew this was going to be a single season thing. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, this essential mystery is like going to like, what about this secret organization? It's like, you don't have time to do that. You're not going to wrap that up in a season. The whole show is always about the characters and they just focus on them relentlessly. Like it was just the cameras were in their faces every, you know, episode after episode. There weren't even that many characters. It was like our main characters and like associated girlfriends and bosses and coworkers and the handful of antagonists. And then, you know, the uh, the silent, humid menace of the South, I guess. Uh, it, it worked for me. Yeah, it's actually the actors that have kept me away from it. <laughs> so if it's really just focusing on those characters, I, I think I will steer clear. Because if there's one person I like less than Billy Bob Thornton, it's Woody Harrelson. I'm going to see your black book of actors here that you can't, you can't see things <laughs> with Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton's a good actor. Oh, he's he's really good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's fantastic at what he does. It's just almost always I don't like that type of character. Same thing with Woody Harrelson. And Matthew McConaughey could kind of go either way for me. I'm not a Woody Harrelson fan at all, and I thought it was great. I thought it was I thought it was perfect because I, I think it's a perfect match of material with the actors. Like they're they are yeah. perfectly cast. The, the the material, you know, if it wasn't written for them, then it was they were perfectly selected to perform it. 
Um, and that that's that goes a long way. Even in, even if an actor is not somebody you like uh, and you like the don't like the stuff they do, um, every now and then they you know if if they're in the right thing they can be um, amazing. And Woody Harrelson's a perfect example. I don't I don't like him as an actor, and he's great in True Detective. Yeah. I think True Detective was kind of at, aimed at men more or less like the, the the angst that these characters feel well, and yeah. the responsibility they feel like it's just it is it is a show it about is a story men about featuring men, men for men like yeah. it, it totally uh-huh. spoke to me on that level and i can imagine <laughs> women not relating as much because i mean i don't again it's like the women are just the wives in the show but this is all about like these people's lives and where they are in their lives and the framing device was was clever and let's see and like it, you know, I, I, some, it, it was a show made for us, I think. That's why we all liked it, you know. <laughs> I I didn't dislike it. I haven't finished it because I am ambivalent about it, and I don't really care how it ends. So I kind of yeah. watched three episodes, maybe. Hannibal uh, Lecter did it, Scott. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, now I don't have to watch the rest. Your, your angst may be of a different stripe. Scott, so maybe he's not speaking to you at the same level. I, I think it's it's pretty clear that my angst is quite different than those guys. <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, like, I, I like the decay in it, that, that, that these, are, yeah. these are people who have... I mean, it's not like these are people who are unraveling. The way it's structured, these are people who have unraveled. And you're going to talk, and then, and then in these multiple time frame flashback things, you're going to see them before they unraveled or before one of them unraveled all the way and before the other one unraveled at all and then and then you see them fall apart further and then you see them after they've unraveled and what happens then which i i found that fascinating that it's not just the the oppressive uh heat and decaying uh atmosphere of of the the swamp but it's also the oppressive decaying lives of these people that, that and they really fall apart me. for a reason like oh it's yeah not like oh there was you know or it's not it's not just like a, a little gimme of like oh that guy Life, was crazy all along you like, do? they're you know it's just they're they're kind of they start off as a sane man in an insane world and eventually they end up as insane men in an insane world <laughs> with all the, the corruption and like the, the evil that's down there and just and uh, repressed things in their own lives that have just been sitting there like time bombs waiting to go off and like the combination of them together just causes more destruction it's not an uplifting show no. <laughs> you can see why i liked it <laughs> it is not i mean i i liked the acting i loved the look of it but the whole time i kept thinking wow you've read a lot of james lee burke novels awesome you know and and it just made me want to see a james lee burke adaptation done well so they also just moved to canada that would solved all their problems speaking yeah <laughs> or vermont i mean come on just get the heck out of just above the mason dixon line. get out of the bayou everything will be better yeah yeah other shows before we shift gears to uh to people with swords getting their heads cut off i still enjoyed uh the whole season of the blacklist Oh, I still haven't watched that. That's one that's on my list because I pretty much will watch anything with James Spader in it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. He is at his James Spaderiest yes. in this show. James Spader, that's what yes. I heard. Matthew McConaughey and and Billy Bob Thornton. No, I, yeah. I have noticing no no discernible trend or. <laughs> yep. I like to shake things up. Well, if you like Spader being Spader, there is mm-hmm. no nothing more Spadery than the Blacklist. It, it's literally. Um, Phil Michaels and I were talking about this because I think he recapped this for television without pity before it went out of business um, is it, literally the show is um, there's a lady who works for the, I don't know, CIA, FBI, <laughs> FBI, F, FBA, OSI. CBI, I don't know. 
and they and there are they're criminals and their crimes and they they and they try to solve them. But literally, the point of the show is that at some point, James Spader appears and he <laughs> does his Spader thing, and then he goes away again, and maybe he comes back a couple of times. But it's like literally, he parachutes in and is like full intense Spader, and then he's gone again. And it's <laughs> actually kind man, of it's, Spader man. He does whatever James Spader can, <laughs> which is a lot. And and it's kind of it's kind of brilliant because it is. It is like, hey, you want a show with James Spader in it, but you don't want to be overwhelmed by James Spader? We got the mixture right yeah. with the blacklist, and they kind of do. I have to admit that like certain plot points, I think, have been spoiled for me just simply because I've seen the uh, the promos on Canadian television. But I, uh-huh. I'm still interested enough that I, I plan to go back and watch from the beginning eventually. Well, it's a lot of fun <laughs> with a lot of gruesome crimes that happen. Yes. And James Spader being brilliant and uh, towards the end of the last couple of episodes a lad add some layers and uh some things happen that make it interesting and it yeah. features an evil alan alda so really how can it go wrong <laughs> i am so sold speaking of actors i can't watch or you didn't used to watch uh i still love brooklyn 99 despite the fact that i've never been a fan of andy samberg yes that's my favorite sitcom on the air and i don't like andy samberg yeah. either but he's, he's great fantastic. in that show and it's got a great ensemble and i mean just putting him against andre what i'm Brown. saying is screw you andy samberg <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's well he's no james spader no no <laughs> who is brooklyn 99 would be so much better if james spader were in it <laughs> no but the office oh the office and with a- james spader. and andre Ooh. and andre brower is um and i can't believe i'm saying this is hilarious in brooklyn 99 it's such a great use of andre brower and if you remember him from homicide it's just an extra layer because he's essentially essentially playing you know serious cop character like on homicide except he is the straight man for a series of ridiculous jokes and it's just it's a great i love that show that is my that is absolutely far and away my favorite comedy. Well, knowing, knowing how the creators love homicide and the wire I mean, they've got Comedy McNulty versus com- Comedy Pembleton, which is yep. brilliant. You know, it's comedy. It's comedy. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. I started watching um, uh, Bob's Burgers because everybody said I should oh, watch it, yeah. and it's funny. Yeah, I got I got hooked on that uh, last year when I was sick in bed for like two days. Mainlined the whole first and second seasons, and I was hooked. All right, any last words of other other shows? How's that Masters of Sex coming there, Scott? Uh, I watched that too. Hey, oh. All right. Um, it, it's over. Uh, well, the first season's over. All right. Um, and uh, it, it was fine. I just have a memory of you recommending it and us making jokes. So I, I can't remember how it ends, frankly, but uh, I think every everyone was satisfied. Okay, okay good. <laughs> I could ask, ask for nothing more from that show than everybody getting some satisfaction at the end. Yeah, the only other thing I've been watching has been uh, pretty much reality cooking shows and uh, John Oliver's new HBO show. Oh, that's oh, yeah. a lot which of I fun. Quite like. Uh, yeah. I'm enjoying that that mm-hmm. too. I only see John Oliver's show in the YouTube clips that make it to my Twitter feed, but those I enjoy. It's a good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Actually, when he took over the Daily Show last summer, when John Stewart was sh- shooting his movie, uh, I started watching because I listened to his podcast, The Bugle, which is an excellent podcast, and um, I really enjoyed it. And what's happened since then is I now. Um, record the daily show and we'll watch those at least we'll watch the first segment or two um, of almost every episode of the daily show plus now the john oliver hbo show so that's that's uh i'm kind of grateful that I, i've gotten back into into the daily show and now the john oliver's show is essentially like a very compressed extended 
um, expansive Daily Show, which with I kind of swearing. Well, yeah, with with swearing, and people are like, oh, I can't. I, he's saying bad words. Like, well, if you listen to the bugle, he says all the bad words. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, what I like about it is he seems to be having these longer pieces that get excerpted on YouTube that are, you know, they feel more. Um, carefully constructed and have more depth than your everyday because you can't do that if you're doing four shows a week on comedy central yeah. so I, I i can feel that they're spending more time writing and, and researching the pieces that they're doing than they would with your average daily show piece and it's also run by a former uh-huh. daily show head writer too so it's it's very much the same yes. dna is through the show yeah I want. I would love them to experiment with that format and not just be the Daily Show on Sunday night on HBO. Yes. Well, they've got the, the the danger of the SNL effect when you have all week to come up with it, and you're so sure this this segment's going to be awesome, and you make it long. If it's not good, and it's yeah. clear from the first two minutes, you just got to go through with it anyway. And so, whereas the Daily Show has has bum segments, they're thirty seconds long. You're in and you're out. Yeah. Exactly. Or or it's like like Weekend Update on SNL now. Half the time, the jokes that pop up, I've already seen like 50 times on Twitter during the week because right. we're all funny too, you know, or funnier <laughs> of late. Yeah, or the Daily Show got to them. Or, the yeah, exactly. They, you know, because the, the Weekend Update is just poor man's, you know, Daily Show type thing. Yeah. That, that was the um, – I saw John Oliver was on Seth Meyers' uh, – Late night with Seth Meyers and I recorded it, and they they pointed out that their jobs have reversed mm. because now Seth Meyers has to make jokes every day, and John Oliver <laughs> has to sit back for a week. And what John Oliver said is, "Yeah, it's really weird. If you screw something up, you got to sit there and stew on it for an entire week. Whereas if it's you know, you can just come back the next day and get it right if you're on a daily show. Anyway, John Oliver's a funny guy, and that's a good show, and he does say bad words." <laughs> It doesn't count if you say them in a British accent. Although I will say this, the bugle um, bleeps out two bad words and um, they did that because they were originally on the Times of London, I think, uh, website. Mm -hmm. And even though they're independent, they keep bleeping them and they say it's because it's funnier. And I think it It is. is. I actually think (laughs) it's funnier with the bleeps and that HBO probably wouldn't let them bleep the F word out for John Oliver. But you know what? On the bugle, it's really funny that they bleep it because... You can do lots of things with a series of bleeps and <laughs> leaving it to your imagination about exactly what parts, that, you know. So it's kind of funny to, to hear him un, unbleeped with those words because I'm not sure it's actually funnier than the, the, the sound effects. Bleeps are funny. They're like spoiler horns. Hey, wait a second. Is that a transition? Should we talk about Game of Thrones hey. with a spoiler horn? Sure. The spoiler bleep. <laughs> All right, um, David, you can just uh, stare at the wall now. I, I will I will zone out. Okay. I'll, I'll make Everybody jokes. Dies. And we'll talk about uh, the, the, the games of thrones. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will, before we begin, I will say I'm on the record for about uh, like seven hours of, or no, well, no, no, there are half hour episodes. <laughs> we did the TV podcast this year. We brought it back and we did uh, Monty Ashley and I, and then Brian Hamilton for a few weeks when I was gone, who did a great job, um, broke broke down every episode after it aired for about half an hour. And we just did a season finale that included sort of some season overview, and it was like an hour long. So I feel like I've talked a lot about Game of Thrones, but it's out there if you want to listen to it. I'm curious what you guys thought about this season as a whole. Yeah, I kind of... Uh... In the beginning, I wasn't sure where the season was going because you had the problem of like, where did we leave off last time? Was winter still coming? <laughs> that's masters of sex you know white walkers were walking somewhere 
you know, it's it's the fire, fireworks factory effect again that I've complained about in past seasons, where it's like, how long, how slow these White Walkers are like, you know, 40 years in the desert. Like, it's not that big. Like, anyway, I don't know how slow they walk, but so they have that thing hanging out over your head. And since I don't know the books at all, I have no idea when this stuff is going to come to a head. Uh, but kind of like The Walking Dead, I enjoyed in this season that they had, you know, they played with the story structure a little bit. They had episodes where your favorite character didn't appear at all. They had one episode where they spent the entire episode with the same group of characters in a single location, which is unheard of on this show. Well, other, uh, and I mean, they did the Blackwater episode, but that was like all the characters. Right. Or that was everyone coming together. But this yeah. was like, there's a bunch of other characters off in other places. They're not involved in this episode at all. This episode is all about the wall. It's all about the people on either side of the wall. And just don't worry about what Tyrion's doing. Right. Uh, so that kind of was refreshing. Uh, and I liked a lot of those episodes, that, and I'm kind of annoyed that things are not progressing, even though it's like, oh, but they kill off characters all the time. I don't know if that counts as progress, and I'm a little bit sad, like, I mean, as everybody is, this is part of the show's thing, when they kill off your favorite characters, but I feel like they're killing off the most interesting characters. So, you know, uh, spoiler horn. Uh, yes. So Stannis is still around, and he's boring. And my favorite guy is not around anymore, and I'm sad. And so I think going forward, unlike the you know unlike Orphan Black, they can't just drop in a new clone and be like, oh, here's a new interesting <laughs> character. I feel like the pieces are more or less on the board, and they can, I guess, introduce some new characters like they did this season briefly. Uh, but some of my favorites are leaving, and I was like, I wanted to see more of that person. And so I assume they're not going to come back as a clone, and there's not going to be somebody else. So in some ways, I'm sad about how things are progressing because they're sort of not picking my favorites. Like I was okay with Sean Bean getting lopped off. Cause like there were so many other interesting characters. Uh, but in some ways I'm, I'm a little bit in mourning for the show, but I have to say I enjoyed watching every episode this season and I was definitely along for the ride. And it's still, it's one of the, like you said, the, the show you want to watch, like when it's on immediately. Yeah. I pretty much always want to see game of Thrones when it's airing yes. in real time and it has no commercials. Mm -hmm. So I can do that. So it's great. Yeah, what? Who? I'm curious who your favorite guys were that you're not getting to see anymore. I really like Tywin. Oh, I know we didn't like it, but I felt like he was the only guy who was trying to hold this place together, and everyone else was like getting in his way. And he's like, "Just I don't care about your feelings. Don't you see? I'm trying to rule the world here." And it's like all you can think about. Oh, but what about this? But Daddy didn't love me. It's like, please, you know, hard it is to keep this all together. And you guys are just a thorn of it. And and I thought he had a good character arc too. And it's just a shame that he didn't get to travel the rest of his character arc. Like, not that you want to see him say, "Oh, you know, oh Tyrion, I finally realized that you." You are the son that I always wish I had. You are the most like me of any of my children. All my other children are generally worthless. The only thing that's bad about you is you're short. I don't want. I don't need him to go through that. But I do want him to. His hang up seemed like it, it seemed beneath him. He seemed more intelligent and with it and pragmatic to be hanging up on this. Like, oh, you're a monster. Whereas Cersei, I can totally believe hates Tyrion because she's terrible. So why uh, why does he <laughs> why does he let his his crazy daughter um trump up charges on his son who totally didn't kill the awful king that even if he did kill him he ought to have a medal i mean I, it could I, he know. could have had a master plan there you know mm -hmm. well i think part of that might have been just because you know he's he, he, Tyrion's been known as the imp far and wide he's he's bad pr and when you're when you're trying to stand behind a throne you, you really need good pr so you know getting rid of him well that's that's one way to do it 
Well, plus he, the imp is kind of a physical manifestation of the inner soul of uh, Tywin, right? So it reminds him uh, that he is Tywin on the outside is a, a handsome older gentleman. On the inside, he is a horrible, horrible man, uh, and he sees that in his son because he wants everyone has to be pretty. But but, and, uh, but Tyrion isn't horrible though. Tyrion is essentially good and has the brains that he inherited from his father and the, the gift for strategy and for taking his emotions out of things to try to get things to happen. He's just not as successful. Well, in his in his father's eye, he is not that good. A because he has these physical limitations, and B because he doesn't take his family name seriously. He wastes his potential. Quote yeah. unquote. Perhaps C because he killed Tywin's wife uh, upon being born. Also, yeah. That, I thing. mean, that's that, that type of hang up. Like, oh, I can't stand you because you're short, and you killed your mother by being born. Is the type of stupidity that I would say that Cersei is totally on board with because that's what she's <laughs> like. But but the Tywin, I feel like, would be above that. But anyway, it's. More, it's more like, I, again, I never read the book, so maybe this is all in keeping with the character, but that actor had such sort of gravitas and played that role in sort of like such an intelligent way. Like all, all his interactions and his strategies and his dealings with others were always thoughtful and strategic. And like towards the end, he's just like they let, they let his prejudices or whatever get the better of him. But he's undone. Oh, yeah. He's undone by his children. He's undone by his and, and presumably, especially since his wife died um, in childbirth with with Tyrion, he is reaping what he sowed in being a terrible father who didn't. I mean, his his two older children are uh, you know sleeping with each other, and his younger one is this uh, brilliant and yet allowed to sort of be beaten down and twisted, uh, and he's a disappointment physically to him. And you know, could Tywin have? Uh, I feel like he's let down by the way that he 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 his children fail him and he failed them and that that's what gets him in the end is 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 because it's not only in that last episode do we see him get killed by Tyrion after after all of this but he also gets confronted by Cersei who basically says you know you know that Jamie and I really do really are sleeping together and those kids really are ours right and you know that that's an amazing <laughs> scene too so it's like you know he he's got his big strategy together but in the end his family and his personal personal life and raising his children that's the thing that gets him not the big strategy stuff yeah he was a ter- terrible father i agree there <laughs> i have to agree though that he is great i would have been happy to see three more scenes in every single episode of just charles dance talking to diane rigg oh like, man I just, yes i yes. wanted to just see them go back and forth yep. interact it was those are the best parts so put I them both in, we put them both anymore. in either doctor who or the next star wars is one of these guys is is uh tywin in the next star wars because he should be he would look perfect in, in Imperial. And diana Uniform. rigg was actually just in doctor who so <laughs> we got that yeah yeah and charles dance should be in lots of things and you're right he would be a, he would make an excellent uh didn't you say on twitter like you'd make an excellent sith lord <laughs> i don't know that's probably dan morin but oh uh, it could be dan Moore. same purposes you guys the purposes i get you i get you guys mixed up with your voices yeah, and i also like the hound i mean i thought oh the hound his character was interesting and they gave him they, they fleshed him out a little bit but and then he goes away I was okay with the timing of him leaving. I felt like if he were to progress any farther, I think it would have been too much for me. He was he was this tough guy who was bad, but maybe not as bad as we. Th- I I just I didn't. But pretty, want to but see pretty him. bad. I like the fact that yeah, he was exactly. bad, but he's friendly. But no, actually, he's pretty bad. But oh, but he's kind of nice, he's and his brother's mean to him. Funny. But you know. I, so that's and that's the thing I was worried about. If they if he would have stayed alive much longer, I. 
would have been frightened of them softening him too much right. and i liked him being at that level and i feel like if he would have stayed at that level for too much longer it might have gotten boring so i'm i'm okay with his his arc coming to a close right there in that way killers are people too <laughs> and it's interesting as as someone who's read all the books to watch how the show is diverging from the books in some small and some very large ways. Yes. And I'm someone who doesn't really even remember what happens in the books, but as I'm watching, I'm thinking, this this does not happen. <laughs> and yeah. then something new happens, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, t- I talked to my friend who about, about the hound dying, about what happened in the show, and he had read the books, and I, when the hound gets the scratch on his neck early in the season, I was like, as I often do, made nerdy comments to my wife and said, realistically, all these people should be dying due to lack of antibiotics because <laughs> they're constantly getting scraped and cut. Yeah. And I know they had Carl Drogo essentially die from that in, in season one, but everybody is all cut up and there's no antibiotics. They would all die from infection. And my understanding is that is how the hound dies in the uh yeah well he gets he gets in, in a fight and then the infection gets him but they they rewrote this to we end up with this i loved that scene where where we have brienne and the hound fighting and she gets to see Arya and have that and and have that brief moment where it was like i'm supposed to save you and that's all invented for the for the tv show and is not in the books but i i really liked that they did it and i really enjoyed that scene it got them it got those characters where they needed to be but instead of having them run into some more people just wandering around somewhere and him getting wounded and dying it we got a scene with other characters that we like and and i like that I like Arya stubbornly resisting ever being saved. Like no matter who it is, no matter whatever, like, you know, I'm, you know, like it's, it's almost as if she, if she saw all her brothers and her mother and father, she'd be like, you know what? No, because she's like, she's stubbornly on her own. And the resolution of this, you think, oh, who's she going to go with? She's going to stay with the hound. She has a bond with him. Is she going to believe Brienne and feel safer over there? Nope. Neither one. She's on her own. She's got that coin. Like the hound said, there is no safe place for her. No, that's so totally true. Who, whoever she goes with, it's still a bad choice. So she I would have picked, well picked Brienne. I mean, she's that's safer than going by yourself. But of course, she magically gets to the seashore where the men are loading salt without incident. Well, that was there was a shortcut there. That, you know, <laughs> that's right. One of the things I really liked about that last episode was was the Brienne and Arya sort of coming together. Even though they didn't stay together, I liked seeing some of the disparate threads weaving their way together like so that was one you know mm-hmm. the hound and and brienne fighting was was very cool and then also stannis suddenly showing up in the north yeah. I mean, we knew it was going to happen it was foreshadowed but I, I completely agree that stannis is pretty darn boring however it was cool to see that part of the story just swoop up and come in seemingly out of nowhere stannis is interesting when he's doing things the problem is, is that he sort of didn't do anything for a very long time and part of that was setting up this you know haha now i'm here at the wall um something that uh monty pointed out on the tv podcast is you know which i agree with and i think it's essentially what you said which is isn't it great when you see these characters that have been in totally different parts and suddenly they're together and you're like hey you're on the same show i did. <laughs> like stannis you, you got to go and be at the north now that's exciting you haven't been up there yet and i, I, field trip. I and 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 I liked the fact that we see his horses and stuff in formation and it does give give you that feeling like yeah this is what happens when a real army with a real king shows up to the wildlings who are just like a mob with real money borrowed from the iron bank right yeah exactly that's right they got their money they got their horses they got those fancy flags and they're all running in formation and I thought that was uh 
I thought that was really cool. And I just, I do love that collision of characters that, that Brienne, who's been on this quest to find the girls, finally sees one of them and she falls, you know, through her fingers. She doesn't get a chance to, to save her and is immediately questioned by the hound about, uh, how are you going to save her? Where are you going to take her? They're all dead, which is a nice way to revisit all these characters that we have lost over the last few years. I mean, having him say, you know, all of the Starks are dead. <laughs> There's nowhere for her to go anymore. Well, but that's the thing, like the whole, you know, this kind of thing in a lesser show, we're like, oh, they just can end up not meeting with each other by, you know, they keep passing each other right. and they just well, they don't did notice that. or whatever. But like this, in this River one, Run, at the Red Wedding, they did that. They're right. like, we're outside the gates. Oh, well. <laughs> but but in this one, it's realistic for all of them yeah. to think everybody is dead, like for them to think that Sansa is dead. I mean, like why, it, it is totally, it's not like, oh, you're just being uh, fatalistic. They might still be alive. It's totally the safe bet that everyone is dead when we know that there's a few of them still alive and them not finding each other feels uh, like it is true to the way it would happen and not like the show is manipulating us into having them like both go to the same bakery five minutes apart or whatever. <laughs> right. I did love that bakery scene though. <laughs> yeah, there was some good, some good bakery. Hot stuff. pie. Hot pie. Nobody, not, there was nothing more exciting than seeing hot pie come back. That was, that was very, that was great. It served a plot point. Plus we got to see hot pie and he's okay. He didn't get stuck. He's baking pies. He's improving at baking pies. That wolf was so much better than the first one. Speaking of characters that I didn't like, I was glad to see what's her name go out the moon door. Oh, I just, I wish her son would uh, go yes. with her because I was, she was not in the series that much, but she was very unlikable. And so, <laughs> oh, I was, I was, I was watching that scene with glee because I knew what was going to come and be like, yeah, you throw her out the door. And anytime I'm voting <laughs> for, uh, rooting, rooting for Littlefinger, you know that you're not. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. We did, we did find out in this that uh, that Littlefinger is actually conspired with uh, with a lady Elena um, to to poison Joffrey. Um, and oh, and yeah. that Littlefinger manipulated Lisa into poisoning John Aaron. So the yeah. whole thing that kicked off Ned having to go south and all of that was Littlefinger, which is interesting. That was a, that was some nice revelations. I don't, I don't, I don't like mysteries. him getting involved with my nice Sansa. She's been so so uh, <laughs> maintaining her innocence in this very cruel, horrible world. And then this season, it seems like well, maybe I'm not. stripping it away. She's embracing the fact that if she's going to make it, she yeah, she's she's lost all of her all of her innocence and all of her beliefs about what, what her life is going to be. And it's sort of embraced that she has to, you know, survive and be more like Cersei than, or not, not more like Cersei, more like uh what's her name? The one who's going to marry Tomlin. What's her name? Uh, oh, uh, Marjorie. Marjorie. Yeah. Marjorie. Yeah. That, that should be her. I mean, sure. Her, her evil role model. As a result, I'm actually liking Sansa better now. <laughs> I just, I just thought she was just so, I just found it annoying that she was so naive. I just want to eat my lemon cakes and have flowers and princes will fight over me and it would be great. Well, that's what she thought she was going to get in life. She did not expect her whole family to be slaughtered. She doesn't have the tools to extract herself. Previously, did did not feel like she had the tools to extract herself from her situation. Once they cut off your dad's head, it's like, well, that part of my childhood is over now. And just Joffrey was terrible and there's nothing she could do. She's not a fighter. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't know how to do political intrigue. And then this episode, this season, she's like, well, I have one thing that I can use. And so she finally found some tool in her tool chest to actually... Actually, uh, to actually gain some amount of power over her, her life, uh, which is kind of sad, but I I think it's reasonably realistic. Is what else is she going to do? She's not going to break out a sword and stop fighting people, and she's not going to become like mm-hmm. you know foster a network of spies in King's Landing or something. I did I did like the uh, 
the Arya and Brienne uh, exchange the names of their swords moment too. That was good. <laughs> it's good to have a name for your sword. Speaking of speaking of spies, I think the the my jaw dropped the lowest uh, of, of the entire season. Probably was at the end when Varys just turns around and, and walks to the ship and and sits down next to the the box that Tyrion's yeah. well, in. He, he's here, just like, here's he's the out. bells. Here's the bells. Oh, I like that. He's like, like, oh, around. it's gone. Yeah, and like, and that's the great thing about the show is that like. They don't have to have a messenger come run down to him and tell him what those bells mean. He can more or less put together yep. what those bells must mean. He's like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I you guys that. who didn't read the books, um, did you feel like Tyrion was really in jeopardy and he was going to go? Um, yeah, or, or I no? thought, I'm, in fact, mm-hmm. I'm almost, not not that I'm disappointed he didn't die uh, because I like that character and everything, but uh, it would have been totally, like, I thought he was, you know, with, in the Viper episode, I thought maybe the chance, but when I saw how they ended that, it's like, oh, they're really sticking it <laughs> to you, and now, and now he's going to die. And him living almost feels out of character for the show. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I, I love that moment that his brother, his brother comes through for him. And uh, and and it is set up in the sense that Varys, you you you're led to believe that Varys is just un, an untrustworthy bastard. But when Varys says, even in the Blackwater, he says, "We you know we will remember. I will remember that you're the only reason this city is still standing." And then at the at his trial, Varys kind of like backs off, and you're like, "Oh come on! You said you were going to say something." <laughs> but this is the payoff. Is that, that you know this is this is what has been set up is that he's not going to let him. He's not going to let him hang or get his head chopped off. Uh, he's going to get him. He'll spirit him away because he knows that that this guy is valuable. Now he wasn't intending that he would kill Tywin Lannister, and that well, that was that was the big fake out though, because you had seen you had seen previously the trial by combat, and and the Viper comes through for him. Is going to fight for him. Looks like he has it won, and then blows it in the end. And here you have uh, Tyrion. Uh, you know things look down, but then someone comes through for him. Jamie lets him out, and then you think, oh, he's blowing it in the end. Just where are you going? Go yeah. through the door. He's like, no, actually, I have something to do first. And then he sees Shay there, and it's like, see, it's just replaying the exactly the mount that you you had. You could have just gone, and you would have been fine. Instead, you got to do this stuff. But you know, and it turns out it works out in the end. So his his side trip did not trip him up. But there was uh, great parallels with the the previous encounter with the mountain and the viper that I. I really expected to to replay in this one, especially when he's going on this little journey when it's like, just get out of the castle. <laughs> yeah, I know. He didn't seem that, uh, you know, th- this was a, a thing with Tyrion is it, it was unclear. It's like he doesn't want to die, but he kind of doesn't want to live. And so he's in this like weird in between state where like he's freed. Yay. And yet he's sort of like, okay, I'm going to really prioritize getting out of here before they find that I'm missing from my cell. He's more like, I'm going to settle some scores. And if that causes me to die, whatever, I will have settled my scores. And and, and, and why did he have to kill Shay? Like, so you see her there and she did testify against you, but this would be the opportunity to talk to her about, oh, you know, when I told you to go away, it was for your own good and don't have hard feet. Like, it's not like he killed her out of angry, anger. She did no. for a knife. Father. She tried yeah. to kill him. I was it, like, "What does she have to fear it's from the him?" Final, because like, it's the it, for for Tyrion, it's like her final betrayal of him. Is she mm. she calls she calls she's sleeping with his father. She calls him my lion. It is the I last. Know, like, I, I understand it's a right? bummer for him, but I think his reaction in character, his reaction should have been to be even more depressed and down on himself, not to immediately go and to. She grabbed a knife. Yeah, then that she tried to kill him. Why is she trying to kill him? Because she thinks that. What? Yeah, why does? Yeah, they, they it's, didn't a have little, time it's a little for... Shakespearean too, isn't it? Right? It's <laughs> yeah. like all a misunderstanding, but sadly, I, know. I, mean, both I would I would have liked to have seen them talk, and then I mean, it could have ended in murder as well, but I don't think they'd immediately go, "There you are, knife, murder." <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, you know where where's my dad? Oh, he's on he's on the toilet. 
Okay. Stay there on the toilet. We're going to talk. Which is right in, that's in the books. That's, the, it was nice. They, they kept that. That's the longest toilet scene you will ever see on the TV show. <laughs> I was hoping that they would keep it that way. And I was quite pleased. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that that was coming all the, all this way, it was, uh, uh, it was very interesting uh, to see how they 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 played it, and and they did diverge from the. There were actually things in this season from the. Uh, They're skipping all fourth the books. book from the fifth book, and yeah, even from one of the chapters tweeted. of the book that has not come out yet. That they've just put the chapter on the web or something. They've taken pieces Crazy from all over, and a lot of that is because Daenerys really doesn't have a lot to do in the yeah, in those three books. What's going on? And, and, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of characters who kind of like don't have anything going on so they've kind of moved their story ahead i don't know what that where they go from here but they're definitely taking a second draft of this story instead of just sort of sticking with the books which is fine i still like daenerys but i think her system of government is not scalable where she sits where she sits there on the throne with yeah. her guards next door and individual people come in and plead their cases and she's like you know like as as was, one of her dragons i was painting my house and then it rained and the paint ran and she hears their sob story it's like get this man some new paint all right next person coming in and the, your, your dragons torched my daughter so oh, that's that's unfortunate like it's not i don't understand how that's a system of government like you can have one or two scenes but it seemed like every episode she had people coming in and going I have a problem. Can you solve it for me? That's not... And the thing about that that bugged me the most, which is stupid, was the fact that, you know, you get this long litany of these are all of her titles. You're now addressing the Queen of the Dragons, the unburnt, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and on. But they only do it for, like, every other person because we as the viewers only need to see it the one time. So they just cut it out for the next person who walks in without actually cutting like wait a minute shouldn't every person have to hear that that just bothered me that's a poor system the, guy, the guy who speaks it should sound super bored because this is the nine thousandth yeah. time he's saying <laughs> that but they don't she's always sounds uh well this excited. is this is that argument about democracy right which is like well democracy was in greece where it was a true representative democracy and everybody would go down and there would be a vote and all that and then as soon as you start mediating between the rulers and the people is when there's trouble and this what daenerys is, is this she doesn't have a lot to do this season at all but what she does have is is the the lesson that you can't just sort of sweep in, declare victory, sweep out, and have everything be fine. That ruling is a problem. It's hard, and just just being a conqueror and 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 ruling by fiat doesn't like you said it doesn't scale well, it doesn't well, she work. can do that if she doesn't have a conscience her problem is like right. she wants everyone to love her and be nice and it's like well then you actually have to solve people's problems and that is much harder than saying you're free now starve to death in the streets so <laughs> I, I, and i feel like what they're saying about this is she she is now mature enough to realize that she has to learn if she wants to rule she's got to learn to rule and not just be a conqueror and and you know khaleesi with her her army and plots her you know because uh, otherwise she's going to get back to westeros and and it's not going to work because she's not going to know what what to do. So she, I like that she decides to stay and figure out what it's like to actually be a ruler because she doesn't know, and that's that's interesting. Even though she didn't have much to do this season yeah. at all, her solution with her dragons also seems like a bad idea because first of all, <laughs> she doesn't know where one of them is. And that's just bad dragon keeping. Mm-hmm. Second, you can put the iron collars around the neck of the dragon while they're distracted, but good luck getting to take that off later. And they, if they're growing in there and you're feeding them, they're going to grow out of that collar. Yeah. It's like animal cruelty. It doesn't seem like it's a good system. Although I assume. They will not spend very long down there because we all like dragons. But uh, what I really hope was, okay, she's got three dragons. One of them is torching people. This is your one get out of free uh, jail free card. Have the other two kill the one dragon 
to, as, a, as a lesson. And uh, I hope none, none of those other two go bad, but apparently that other one is just well, now, out there Now we somewhere. see how you would rule uh, a system of government, John. <laughs> well, dragons, we, this show has established that dragons may like her and she's their mother, but they're, they, they did that little scene where it's like they're always going to be dragons and don't expect them to do what you say because dragons are dragons. Well, that's and, and that's the same thing with uh, all the slaves and the people she frees. They think of her as her mother, as their mother, but they are. Then the guy comes and petitions and says, you know, I was a tutor and now I'm free, but it kind of sucks. So can I be a slave again? He I can mean, just thanks. get a job. Like there's something between slavery and not yeah. even like, why don't you just get a job? Employment is a concept that needs to be introduced into the city. Well, I think the argument there was that his, his employer was afraid of keeping him around because he'd be called a slave keeper. And, you know, and, and so, so she's like, him. just sign a one-year contract. A one-year slavery contract. You can just get a job. He can just pay you. He can be your boss and you can be employed and go home to your own house. Like, this is, there is a system, an economy that works without slavery. It's just they, they can't grasp it. Like, oh, I guess we have to bring back slavery. It's the only choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sensible option. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who doesn't like it will go go down in the dragon That's cave. That's right, the dragons. <laughs> Yeah, I felt really bad for those dragons. I mean, they, as far as we know, didn't torch any people. No, so, I mean, or maybe goats. These, these ones might have torched no, goats. We don't, we don't know for sure. But I just felt bad because, you know, these are the, the good ones. Mm-hmm. I, I could just picture them thinking, what did we do wrong? <laughs> We're the ones that are doing things right, and we don't get to stay flying around like old Blackie does. Well, yeah, or, or they're just thinking, oh, he did something, didn't he? And uh, once again, <laughs> we have to pay for Drogon's problems. Uh. We haven't established what the intelligence of the dragons are. So, no. so thus far, they seem like cats where they kind of don't like <laughs> yeah. you but can tolerate you, but they're also not very smart. Yeah. Fire-breathing cats. Yeah. Giant fire-breathing cats. And when you're not looking, they knock your crap off shelves, too. (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave a glass of water by those dragons. They always want to climb to the top of the drapes in the castle and just hang out up there. (laughs) Stupid dragons. They're held back by the budget, though. I still feel bad. It's like, you know you have a certain amount of dragon per season. Yeah. Uh, And and I'm always torn between, like, would I just rather have them spend that budget on location? Would I rather have them spend it on the ice wall? Presumably a... (laughs) In season 17, eventually they'll have to spend it on some, uh, you know, ice walker, zombie, whatever people. Oh, they have yeah. the skeletons popping out. Skeletons, time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a, that was kind of an awesome uh, skeleton battle, which was, again, a scene that was taken from, like, the most recent book. And they moved it up because, like Daenerys, um, uh, Bran doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> he's just wandering around for a minute. Does, he, does he do the same thing in the book where it's like, you know he's going to have to take over Hodor, but he waits. And he waits. Anyway, it's just just get in that Hodor. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for just before I'm about to kill? All right, yeah, fine. I guess I'll take over Hodor. I now. think Bran does a lot more uh, jumping into other people and creatures in the books, but um, but I, I don't know. They, that simplified a lot, and and I, that I mentioned this on the TV podcast. I, that scene with those skeletons coming out of the snow, it was much more. When I read the books, it was much more evocative. Like this was these are like soldiers who died and were buried in the snow, or they died a, in a in a blizzard or something. But because it's in the north, they turn into whites and and so now they're they're coming out of the snow it's like we buried them but we didn't burn the bodies we buried them and now they're you know there's a snow drift full of dead bodies that are able to come and kill you and and i liked the scene with the skeletons but it did feel a little less epic and a little more like whoops stepped in a skeleton trap and they have plenty of time. Like the thing grabs his leg, and they spend like ten minutes staring at his leg, going, "Oh, what should we do? Get off that ice thing! Go to the tree." That was you the that was the leg grabby time. skeleton, as opposed to the other guy who got Jojen got stuck by the stabby skeleton. That was yeah. a bad skeleton to be by. It's just an arm with a knife that goes stab, stab, stab. <laughs> that that tree reminded me. Spoilers of the end of Majora's Mask, and it 
the creepy little kid in the tree and everything. I, I don't know the spoilers, so there you go. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. So, it's game related. <laughs> uh, spoilers. I'm, for all, I'm all alone out here. You are. <laughs> you are. Sorry. You can't. You can. You can't slide your pop culture references bias, but you can slide your gaming references bias. Games are pop culture, Jason. Those are not Games of Thrones. They're not throne related. <laughs> I will not spoil this particular Game of Thrones spoiler, but there was a part that many people who read the book were expecting that did not happen. Yes. So, ah, so yes, because yes, we don't want to. We can spoil viewers, but we don't want to spoil viewers who haven't read the books, like John or Erica. This is the thing: is there's there are so many endings to the book, A Storm of Swords. There are so many endings, and one of them is an epilogue. So after all of these many endings, then there's this epilogue, which is yet another shocking kind of plot uh, thread that will be picked up later. And the, the, the uh, I think a lot of fans wanted to see that scene, and it didn't happen. And I can understand why, because one, uh, they had a lot of endings as it was, and they didn't need another one. And two, actually kind of like what happened in the first season, um, there are... Uh, sometimes you you um, the idea that you're making a season worth of television and you need you need to get you know a, you need to cast a particular actor to play a particular part um, you can't really do that for a scene you need to like get them under mm-hmm. contract and you want to use them more than once and all of that and that epilogue was like they were going to have to go a long way just to do this little teaser at the end of this season so I imagine we'll see that scene next season instead but i know it was one of those things that people are upset that they left out i don't think they cut it i think they literally deferred it like um they introduced some major character is supposed to come at the end of season one and we just never saw oh it was stannis and because they didn't want to cast stannis for one you know for one scene and then hope the actor doesn't disappear by the time they do the next season so because that happens actors are disappearing all the time and they can't (laughs) find them they go to canada about two percent of them disappear. Yeah, every <laughs> each year. There's an HBO show about that. Anyway, um, that that so, but a good point, Scott. That there were definitely people who are who are a little bit bent out of shape about that. Um, but then there are also people who are bent out of shape when there's any divergence from what George R. R. Martin wrote. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with it. They're telling they're telling yeah. a, a similar story, but that in a very different medium, and they've got to make decisions. And I like each episode would have to be like four hours long to yeah. cover everything that George R. R. Martin does in his expansive books. This yeah. is a very different. Uh, facet of Game of Thrones. Yeah. So speaking of endings, uh, I was a little bit confused by by two parts of Arya's ending. Uh, so she shows up, the guys are loading salt. She's like, I, I want you guys to take me on your boat. I'll be a deckhand. I don't need any place to sleep. Just take me with you. And I want you to take me north to the wall. Uh, and they're like, no, forget it. You know, whatever. And she's like, oh, here's my get out of jail free card. Another one. I uh, remember this coin, give it. And he's like, all right, great. And then she goes off on the boat. What's not clear to me is what did she just buy with that coin? Because it seems like if she had just been a little bit persistent, they would have brought her on the boat eventually. Well, I'll have a deckhand. She'll earn her keep. It'll be fine. So the only thing I can think she bought with that coin is that they're not actually going back to where they were going to go with all that salt. They're actually taking her north to the wall. But from people I'm talking to, they're like, no, they're not taking her north to the wall. She's going to Bravos, and that's where she's going to end up. She seems like she could have got oh. there without spending her coin. So where is she going on that boat? And are we supposed to know where she's going i also thought she was heading north is that not am i wrong no the way so so it happens really fast but 
you know, the 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 give and take is I'm going to Bravos. This boat is not going north. It's going to Bravos. And she says, hey, I've got this coin and it's from the guy. The guy who gave it to her, the assassin, right. is from Bravos. And she's like, ah, mm. I have this coin, Valor Margulis. And he's like, all right, you can have a cabin. So I think the implication there is they're going they're still going back to Bravos. But she's got the Bravosi coin that she she used to call in the debt. And they're like, you can have a cabin. Well, on, that's on a waste of back, a coin. So. She just got she just got a first class upgrade. With that coin, when that coin could have been used to, like, you know, kill somebody or save her life. And it's like, now you just get a, more leg room. So, again, without spoiling anything, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that that uh, it, it's more, you know, sh- they're taking her someplace in particular and the coin is relevant. And I'll just leave it at that. That it's not. All right. All right. But anyway, it, it was not clear on the television but show I agree. where they're going. I agree. It, it is. It is. Uh, it happened really fast. And you ha- and and you have to be thinking of exactly what everybody said and where she got the coin and where that guy was from to kind of connect See, the I, dots. I actually there. did remember all of that. And. But then just the way that they sh- the way they shot that very last scene with yeah. her, you know, her smiling so much. I really thought that they had changed their minds ah. and decided to go north because she had this coin, which gave her enough clout to be able to ask them to do whatever she wanted. That was yeah. where I got confused. The coin was like hanging over this whole season. Like once you know someone has there in their pocket, you're like, oh, what are they going to use it? Valor for? Like, for right. right. So you knew like you knew it had to, to, to be used. And, I, you know, it was in the back of my mind. And I thought that's got to be used for something important because you don't spend a whole season establishing that coin and then just have it be like not a big deal but anyway i, I will patiently wait yeah. and see i just want to make sure there wasn't anything i missed about like everyone knows where they're going you just don't because you didn't pay attention no you you i i think it's there but you've got to it blows by so fast that it's very easy to because i i was sitting there watching it going well no they're they're not actually taking her to the wall. They're that's they're not going there. But it, and and they say it, but it it blows by so fast that it's very easy to misunderstand it. But they don't want they don't want to go to the wall. Those are Bravos guys. They're they're not even like they said about Stannis. It's like you're not even wearing the right clothes to be up here. <laughs> so this was probably the closest to a happy ending because you know bad good guy that we all like lived unexpectedly. Bad guy that a lot of people didn't like except for me apparently you know, dies in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I was you sad know, too. <laughs> Arya Arya lives and gets to continue her journey. Arya and, and Tyrion is, get is, bo- get boat rides to the east. <laughs> yeah, and she's an agent of her own destiny. She's no longer anyone's prisoner. Sansa is 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 you know t- coming into her own and and not being a victim all the time you know Varys is safe Littlefinger is off doing his thing like it's there's no it's it's certainly not a red wedding ending right yeah yeah it, it's a it feels like a really happy ending which it's not but it is like <laughs> that's happy because they don't all die <laughs> well and we're leaving this dump i mean there, there's something about that too which is like well at least i'm not gonna have to hang around the stupid westeros anymore i, I guess it wasn't you good guys. for uh for uh, theon <laughs> theon is still not doing too hot no that's or anyone true. near theon is not doing too hot <laughs> so that's all still uh, a crap show I quite liked this this last episode kind of as as compared to the other seasons where in in previous seasons we had the second to last episode was where the really big stuff happened and then the final episode was more like falling action yeah, set up, sort of yeah. set up for the next, next series season. and I feel like this one balanced both really well we got some some resolutions for some characters but we also then got little bits of preview for what is probably coming in the next season. Well, and that's that's sort of the HBO pattern is to have yes. all the action in the penultimate episode. And I think this year with the ratings for it exploding, I mean, it's now officially the, mo- the highest rated series they've ever had. Um, they kind of got to say to them, look, we want to write it our way now. Yeah, and, not, ju- not uh, just do the wire 
structure. Yeah. Although they still did the big, there's a big blowout penultimate episode. Right. But but I, yeah. I I agree. It was nice that they, uh, it wasn't just all sort of aftermath in the tenth episode, but it was still more you know more plot. Not the giant you know. Well, the skeleton thing was actually giant special effects fight scene thing too. So yeah, it was it was a little different structure than the first three seasons with their finales, which was it was cool. I love this show. It's just a lot of fun to watch, and it's not like it doesn't have flaws. But I do. I watch it the day it's on, and I'm excited to talk about it. You know, sometimes even on a podcast right afterward, <laughs> um, just because it's 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 not like other shows that are on TV, and it's the scope is so ridiculously large and the ambition level that you know it's just fun to see a show like that on TV. And the and the budget can mostly support it. I'm always left mm-hmm. when the, when the episode is over. I'm always left wanting to watch more. Yeah. Like not only do I want to watch it as soon as it's on, when it's over, I, I want it not to be over. I want it to, to keep <laughs> know. going, you know? I felt that way a little bit, but actually I noticed this year that I was okay at the end of an episode of Game of Thrones um, waiting for a week. I mean, I still I wished I could keep watching more, but I was all right with it. Whereas when I was keeping up with Orphan Black, when it ended, I, I was just frantically wanting the next episode even more. And then, of course circumstances made that not be possible so i ended up being able to just save them so i could marathon a bunch of them but i think the uh, i think the pace and the fact that it's epic fantasy with game of thrones i i'm used to reading you know big long series of books that are you know millions of words long so i think i was a little bit more okay with it it playing out week to week um and then in this day and age sometimes i'm not used to that because i'm used to just mainlining shows it's i think a season of game of thrones costs like 80 million dollars it is not a cheap show that's about <sighs> right yeah but it is the number one uh, hbo show of all time so ratings wise so it's got that what going. a world we live in mm-hmm. yeah we're an epic fa- uh, a show based on an epic fantasy that was written 13 years ago that i thought no one in pop culture will ever read this book yeah. because it is so <laughs> dense and there are fourteen thousand characters unfilmable unfilmable and yeah. now is the highest rated hbo show ever and i'm seeing like random grandmothers reading the books on buses <laughs> yeah weird, weird not that they world, shouldn't be reading huh? it. it's just kind of weird yeah yeah it still hasn't it still hasn't uh, inspired me to go back and try to finish the books oh <laughs> I I uh I've enjoyed I've enjoyed all the books and uh when the next one comes out I'll probably go back and actually reread them which I I haven't done. I only read them straight through one time. So I actually started started reading them because I heard that they were going to make an HBO series of That's my what sister I did. was like my sister was like, "Oh my god, I love these books. You have to read them." And I tried and it was just such a slog that I ended huh? up giving up near the end of the second book. I don't even know if I finished the second book. <laughs> the the funny thing about the way the way the uh we talked about this on the TV podcast too, is that the fourth and fifth books happen contemporaneously They're, um They actually pulled some of the characters. He, he, he had gone so long without writing a book that they pulled some, some chapters of certain characters and made the fourth book out of that. And then the fifth book starts and it's the other characters that weren't in the fourth book wow. during the same time. And it's a whole mess. And it turns out, I, I mentioned this, uh, on Sunday night when we were recording, it turns out that true true to form, a fan has gone gone together and put like a chapter order. If you merge those things back together, how to read them? And one of these days, they will probably re- release that book in that form because it's much better that way, I'm sure. But um, I found a website where somebody actually had taken the chapters and made a new like ebook 
um, wow. called something like a ball of beasts or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. But it's literally like book four and book five just jammed together, which is kind of kind of clever. So if I reread the series, I'm gonna do I'm gonna read it that way. I think that'll be interesting. That graph that you tweeted or retweeted, where someone took the books and the television series individual episodes and graphed yes. out. Uh, what oh scenes from, what chapter uh, what, ch- what chapters from the book appear in which scenes and you can see like season one was just pulled almost entirely from book one and then it's a nice thick line and then as you go in later seasons the dots start to spread out and that mm. graph was almost unreadable but just looking at the shape of things showed that this season was all over the place yeah i mean the the, the chart sort of follows but yeah this season they were pulling from all all sorts of places because like i said there there were two two character arcs that just you know, they had to do something with Daenerys and they had to do something with Bran. And so they just pulled all their story forward, which leads to the next question, which is what do they do with those characters now? <laughs> and invent things is probably the answer. <laughs> Bran is going to be like, um, like every scene, it, one, one scene. Yeah. Yeah. One scene every week will be a tree. Will the walk characters will walk past a tree and we'll see eyes in the tree and it'll be Bran. Like, I see you every week. hear a whisper. <laughs> In the wind. Wasn't there a scene from an unreleased book? Isn't there one dot on this graph that's yeah. way out in, yeah. the right in a book that hasn't even been released yep. yet? So the television series is now ahead of the book. Yeah. Well, I think that's a chapter that he posted somewhere that, or has read somewhere. So it's a written chapter, but because uh, he cut like the last five chapters or something of the most recent book, um, they, he just cut them and they're in the next book instead. Because essentially he just continues writing, and at some point they put down a. A, 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 a bar and say okay here print here and then they cut the scroll and he continues to write in his dungeon and i just i i read someplace that so this saga started off as a trilogy and then it grew into five books and then they said okay seriously just seven books now i've read that it may be eight books so who knows if it'll ever end yeah Wheel of time here he comes <laughs> oh boy yep oh george but they have a plan. Sure they do. Like the Cylons, <laughs> sure. they have a plan. What <laughs> was the Cylons' plan? I don't think they actually did have a plan. I think that was a lie. <laughs> anyway, but that's another podcast. All right, anything more before we go about uh, Game of Thrones? TV will rot your brain. I know that. <laughs> it's true. Too late. Brains. What is brain? Yeah, that's The Walking Dead, though. Or, or Spock's brain. A fine episode of Star Trek. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun talking about uh, TV. We should do this more often. We could do we could do like a whole episode about some of this stuff. It's funny that we haven't. So I'm glad mm. we at least got to touch on it a little bit. Yeah. I'm waiting for that Good Wife episode. Yeah, Good Wife. You're here. <laughs> High five. That's right. Woo. T- the TV podcast is available for you to talk about whatever the heck you want to. <laughs> I can I can show you how it works. That's why it's that's why it's there. That's why we have it. And I don't have to be on it. That's the, another key feature. <laughs> key feature. So, all right. Well, uh, we've come to the end. I would like to thank my guests for watching television and then talking about it on a podcast. Scott McNulty, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks. Uh, and, and thanks to your wife, the good wife. Uh, I was going to make a good wife joke, <laughs> but I, I resisted. So I couldn't resist. David Lore, thank you for being here and uh, watching Game of Thrones, I guess. Hey, they, you know, I just sat here playing Game of Threes while I listened. All right, good. They're <laughs> dragons. Suffice to say they're dragons. That's right. Erica Ensign, thank you so much for being back on. Thank you very much for having me. And watching television, which they do get in Canada, it turns out. Yes. Yep, we even make it here. You, yep. you, you, uh, 
Yeah, you lucked out. You could have moved to a country without television, but you That's moved to true. a country with television. Although, to be fair, they don't really make much of it here in Edmonton. That's true. Although SCTV was shot here for a while, so that's something. The the gold mm-hmm. glory years, yeah. Wow. And John Syracuse, thank you. I, it would not be the end of a season of Game of Thrones without talking to you about it. All men must die, but women, specifically Agent Scully, do not. Ah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Valar Doheris, something like that. Ah, okay, and uh, I want to believe in in uh, Dothraki. I think is what that is. <laughs> anyway, uh, and for the incomparable podcast, I have been your host, Jason Snell. This ends episode one hundred ninety nine of the incomparable. What will happen next? I don't know. Tune in and find out for episode two hundred. Till then, good night. Mm-hmm.